foot this evening, and I took it home and uh, brought up my iPad to my kids, and, and I wanted to see what they thought of it, because I knew there'd be a lot of kids, especially at the 5 p.m. It's, it's kind of just bustling with all these little ones yelling and screaming and stuff like that, you know, and, and, uh, and so I showed it to them, and, and I said, what do you guys think? Do you think I should show this on Christmas Eve? And my oldest looked at me, and he said, uh, yeah, the church likes that kind of thing. You should show it. <laughs> So we did, and uh, you got to watch it. So, hey, um, uh, I want to mention a couple things to you. We're going to give away a couple gifts and I'll give you a couple announcements. One is, if you support Seer Bible Church with your resources in some way, thank you so much for doing that. Uh, we deeply appreciate you, and uh, you help us continue to do the mission uh, of the gospel in this community and to continue to spread the word and to teach the Bible and to give people hope. That's the message this, uh, this evening I have for you. Uh, is on hope, and I want you just to think a little bit about that. Uh, if you want to uh, give a year-end gift, you've got to do that before January. Uh, you can do that online. You can do it in the boxes. Uh, we also have these for sale. If anybody's looking for last-minute Christmas gifts, we have them in the coffee shop. We've got cards made by a local artist that goes to church here. Uh, these are uh, bags of coffee that we partnered with Drink Coffee Do Stuff here in town. Uh, they attend our church, and we have a good relationship with them. And uh, we got a cool little label on here, and, and we're selling these. And all of the proceeds go to our missions, uh, all of our mission stuff. So we have a, uh, a basically a, a fund we use to bless our missionaries, give them Christmas gifts, empower them to do uh, the work of the ministry. And so these are $16 a bag. You want to buy them for somebody, stocking stuffers, they're in the coffee shop. But I want to give this one away, and I'm going to give another big gift away. Someone's going to get a, a big one here this evening. Um, but... Uh, we're going to give one of these away. So uh, who wants to drink coffee? Oh, you were here the first service, Colin, and you saw how I did this last time. And so we're going to go ahead and give that to Jasper. All right. <laughs> gotcha. Um, and then uh, before we go back 2,000 years and talk more about uh, this dramatic historical event uh, that God became man in the form of a baby and was born amongst us. I want to I wanna go back uh, a, a little bit, but not quite 2,000 years. I want to go back to 1991. How many of you remember 1991? Yeah, okay, there's a few more here than in the first service. I asked the first service, like three people, which made me feel really old. Uh, so that lets you know what kind of group you are this evening in this room. Um, 1991, I've been watching a documentary series called The Dark Side of the 90s. Uh, because that's when I grew up, and little did I know, the 90s were pretty dark. Uh, but uh, 1991 marks the year that Wayne and Sandy Hoig took a step of faith uh, and moved here from Utah and began pastoring here at Sierra Bible Church. And as many of you know, if you're familiar with our ministry here, Wayne passed on those lead duties to myself uh, four and a half years ago. It'll be five years in uh, June, I think. And, um, and it's been a pleasure to work with Wayne. And, and some of you know, Wayne, after, I don't know what the math is, I should do it, but 1991 to 2000, is it 30 years exactly? Is it? 91 to Someone said 31. I'm not sure you, 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 guys, you can fight later over it. Um, 1991, so he moves here, right? And uh, 30 years ago, whatever it may be, and this is his last month on staff at Sierra Bible Church. He's retiring and going to be doing some work on uh, some of the stuff with the One Another Project and, and all of that. And uh, we've been thinking uh, about what can we give Wayne and Sandy 
uh, to bless them as they as they exit from this season in, in ministry. And uh, he's going to preach this Sunday. It'll be his last message as, as a pastor on our staff. Uh, and he, he's going to continue to be here in Truckee and all of that. But we wanted to get him a gift. And so we got him a gift. This is for Wayne. It's not for you, Colin. It's not for anybody else. But Wayne and Sandy. So Wayne and Sandy, would you guys come on up here? And uh, would you guys give them a hand, honor them for their years of service? So in the early 80s, <laughs> go back even further. In the early 80s is when this building you're in was built. Next door is Ray Hall. That used to be the original church. And then as the church grew, this building was built. And there were plans in the original uh, uh, plans. <laughs> there was original plans. And in those original plans was a, a bell. A bell was supposed to be installed in the church. And it never was. And it's just been sitting around here for a while. And uh, a little elf on a shelf this week uh, emailed me and said, you know what? Wayne really wants that bell. <laughs> and it's from a train. And Wayne was on a train when he first felt God kind of call him to Truckee with Sandy. And so, Wayne, we got you a bell. Here's your Sierra Bible Church bell to you and Sandy. I, oh, careful, the whole... That's heavy. You're going to need to do some deadlift training before you get that home. Would you give them guys a hand? That's a gift for Wayne and Sandy and love on them. Thank you, guys. Love you. Okay. Um, I think it's pretty neat. Yeah, you can... Appreciate you. So... Now let's jump back 2,000 plus years uh, when the Christ was born. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. The moment when God pierced heaven into sinful earth amongst man in the form of a baby. Quite a dramatic event. It's an event that whether you believe or you don't believe, it has impacted you in some way. Most of us probably this evening do believe uh, in and, uh, and, and I appreciate you, and you're here to celebrate Christ and to worship him. And some of you are visiting, maybe for the first time. Maybe you've never been here before. Last year, there was a couple there in the service this morning. They greeted uh, this, uh, in the first um, Christmas Eve gathering, and it was their first uh, service here was, was last year, one year ago. And they attended Christmas Eve, uh, not knowing what to expect, enjoyed the service. They've been coming to church almost every Sunday since. And uh, now they're greeting. And so that's also the other kind of hope we have this morning that, or, or this evening. One, that those of you who are Christians would be encouraged in your faith and strengthened in your faith. And those of you who don't know Christ would get sucked in like Diane and Matt have and become a permanent part of Jesus' family at Sierra Bible Church. And that might be the case for some of you, an awakening, a newness. In fact, uh, I got a really beautiful card as I came in. Uh, for the first gathering here this evening, and it was from a gal who started attending our church this uh, last year. And she just expressed to me how thankful she is for what the church has been to her. She, she literally said she didn't understand or realize even uh, what a dark place she'd been in for seven years. And now that she's, been, she's part of a church and has this walk with Jesus, uh, she just feels so much more holistic and healthy, and, and she just wanted to make sure I knew that uh, she was thankful for the community here. She had surgery recently, and several members in the church brought her meals, and she's just been impacted by what it is to be a part of the family of Christ. 
And ultimately, that's what Christmas is all about. It's about hope, and that's the theme that we wanted to kind of talk about uh, this evening and, and leave you with before you take off for the evening and hopefully get some sleep and wake up in the morning and tear into your gifts. But um, Christmas has a way in our day and age of kind of absorbing and taking over the real message of Christmas. I was thinking about this this week, the kind of contrasts, or as one pastor would say, the, the kind of paradoxes that exist at Christmas. Uh, specifically, Christmas in our day and age, and uh, contrasting with that of, of the original Christmas, of what we just saw on the video a little bit, of an artistic take of what it would have been like for Joseph and Mary. I, I just... I just step back in awe at times and think of the reality of what it would have been like for a, a husband and a wife in that day and age to be pregnant outside of wedlock and to try to share that. All that's captured in that video. You can see her. She feels a little bit ashamed. Joseph doesn't know what to do. At one point in the text of the Bible tells us that he was actually going to just kind of kind of step away from the relationship, and then an angel comes, speaks to him, and says, don't do it. Uh, she is with child from God the Father, and you're going to give birth. She's going to give birth to this little baby boy. It just the, the journey, and then to raise that child. Uh, sometimes I, I also think about what it was like later on in, in Jesus' life and Mary's life and Joseph's life because Mary and Joseph had other children. One of them was James, who wrote the book of James. Imagine growing up as the younger brother of Jesus. What a difficulty that would have been. I am sure Joseph said on many occasions to James, why can't you be more like your brother? Uh, a very difficult situation to be in for him. And as, as probably as crazy as it is, I just, I want to just talk, I just want to show you a little bit here on the screens some contrasts of the original Christmas with Christmas today. Right? The original Christmas, there's one light, Right? Now, today, we put lights on everything. Unless you live in Truckee, we don't have power anymore. And so, so now we're all kind of being led by the, the, that one light that gives us hope. This light appears, tells the Magi, tells the wise men that, that the Messiah is born. Uh, or how about uh, the contrast of, of Joseph and Mary with that of these little elves, right? How many of you have an elf on a shelf, literally, uh, in your house. There you go, buddy. Is he going to bring you some gifts? Did he promise you anything? I hope he's not talking to you. If he is, it's, it's, there's a problem. <laughs> Joseph and Mary contrast with the elves. Or how about the small stable and the few animals that are there contrasted with just the craziness of the mall? How many of you have been to a movie in the last week? How many of you have been to the mall in the last week? It's bananas. You wouldn't even know that anything has occurred uh, out of the norm in the last couple years. Or maybe we can contrast the, the white snow that pictures Christmas today. We, we talk a lot about how we want snow and we desire snow and it's here. Uh, but with that of the dirty feed trough that Jesus was born in, we have kind of this white purity, blanketed, you know,ness of, of goodness that we portray. And yet that manger was probably not uh, the best place to be for a young family. Or how about contrasting the angels that sing with that of the reindeer. And not just any reindeer. I mean, if, if we were looking close, we'd see one with a big, bright nose because that's important to have during Christmas time. Or maybe we would contrast the traveling of the wise men uh, from, uh, with that of the, the not-so-many. Yeah, no, no one's wise in that, vi that picture there, right? Uh, or maybe we would... Uh, 
look at the lasting gifts that were given to Jesus, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, all of which had symbolism to them. They were valuable. Gold was for a king. Uh, Myrrh was for the mortality of Jesus, that he was just a man. And frankincense for God, for the act of worship, contrasted with kind of the the cheapness uh, that toys are today. I have four children, so I know what this is like to receive gifts for my kids or get gifts and and how quick they they now are destroyed. I mean, back in the day, for those of you who are older, you remember they used to make toys out of like lead, which was apparently not good for you. And, but boy, they lasted forever. Um, and 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 then how about how about the little tiny child Jesus, contrasted with the big boisterous, caloric deficient, big bearded, happy ho ho man, right? Uh, Augustine, one of our early church fathers, he, ta- he talks about these paradoxes of Christmas time a little bit uh, within, within the Bible and what we are celebrating this evening. He says, the maker of man became man, that he, the ruler of the stars, might be nourished at his mother's breast, that he, the bread, might hunger, that he, the fountain, might thirst, that he, the light, might sleep, that he, the way, might be worried by the journey, that he, the truth, might be accused by false witnesses, that he... The judge of the living and the dead might be brought to trial by a mortal judge, that he, justice, might be condemned by the unjust, that he, disciplined, might be scourged with whips, that he, the foundation, might be suspended upon a cross, that the courage might be weakened, that his courage, that, I'm sorry, that courage might be weakened, that healer might be wounded, that life might die. To endure these and similar indignities for us to free us from, the, from unworthy creatures who existed as the Son of God before all ages, without beginning, designed to become the Son of Man, he did all this, although he who was submitted to such great evils for our sake had done no evil, and although we who were the recipients of so much good at his hands had done nothing to merit these benefits. The last contrast, right, the Christmas tree with the cross, right, the light of the world, a tree decorated with lots of lights and lots of ornaments contrasted with the reality that, that Jesus, who is the ultimate light of the world, was hung on the hardest and most ugliest of trees in human history. Bonhoeffer, speaking of these contrasts, says, God is in the manger. He has wealth and poverty, light and darkness, and aid in abandonment. There's these interesting contrasts throughout our culture, and even in the text of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, that he's God, and yet he comes as a child, it should kind of blow one's mind. It, it, it's salvation through simplicity, not salvation through complexity, right? One of the reasons that, that Jesus came from heaven to earth is because there's nothing you could ever do to get to God. There's nothing you could ever do to earn salvation, Jesus coming down in the form of a child, in the form of a baby, is, is God's way of saying, there's nothing you can do to get to me. I have to come and save you. And so he does. And there's this hope. And that hope that we have, that seed of hope, hope is ultimately a person. And hope is defined as longing for something, an expectation, or a belief that something will be fulfilled. Lots of kids in the first service raised their hand, uh, anticipating what tomorrow may bring. What's tomorrow going to bring for you young ones? Is there a hope in your heart welling up? Like I asked the kids in the first gathering, how many of you are going to have a hard time sleeping tonight? Anybody going to have a hard time sleeping tonight, little ones? Yeah, a few of you. Uh, I was actually really blessed. As you get older, 
And, uh, and Christmas isn't so much about you anymore as it is for the kids. And, and it's about giving the gifts rather than receiving the gifts. And, uh, I, you know, so, so there's not always that kind of anticipation for presents that I have, but there's an anticipation of what God will do. And every now and then somebody just kind of blesses your socks off, right? Even as an adult, my, uh, our uh, youth pastor, Caleb uh, Dero, purchased for me uh, something that he knew I've been wanting, but I haven't been willing to buy it for myself. It's a Lego Star Wars uh, ship from the Mandalorian. Have you seen the ship in the Mandalorian? Some, some of you are like, don't even go there, but I'm going there, man. Uh, a thousand something pieces. I put it together for four hours last night. I went to bed at 12.30 a.m., putting together Legos. That's your pastor, okay? I just want you to know I am unashamed about it and just enjoyed it uh, immensely. And, and that's what hope ultimately is in the Bible. It's, it's fulfillment. In fact, uh, Psalm 42 verse 5 says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? What's the solution? What's the solution to being cast down? Hope in God. For I, I, for I shall again praise my salvation. And then in Romans fifteen twelve, which is the theme of everything that we're doing here, it says this. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles will have hope. That's us. And then he says in verse 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope, right? God is hope. He gives you hope. He fulfills the promises. Now, I'm not sure how many of you are aware, but the last 19 months or so have been pretty weird. Not sure if you've noticed. But the staff, as we've wrestled through, you know, the last couple years almost, and the, and the season and Christmas Eve, you know, we don't, we didn't know what, what God was going to do on this evening. We don't know how many people are going to come with snowstorm and what to prepare for and all of that. And obviously Jesus has blessed us with people who come and people who want to worship. But we hope and we believe in that hope. And, and during those last two years, our staff and our church have been able to wrestle through some of these things that we've been living with, not because we're perfect, not because we're great, not because we're amazing, but because we hope in one God. We hope in eternity, not just for this world, but for the world ahead of us. Right at a certain point during all of the pandemic, and even at certain points in our lives, we have to ask the question, are we going to continue to wrestle with despondency and depression and anxiety? Or, as William Carey says, expect great things from God. Hope for great things in God. And I want to just give you some things that, where our hope has been fulfilled this evening. Number one, our hope has been fulfilled in the promise of God that God would be near. But that's our hope. That, that's what the Advent means. That word Advent literally basically means presence. It's the presence of God in your life. The full finality that God is in your life, present in your life. He's not far off. He is near and the implications of that are huge. In fact, uh, I, I remember um, there was a season I, was, I uh, had moved back from uh, Roseville. I was in Roseville for a little bit in college, and my parents, for whatever reason, decided to have uh, a child, another child. I don't know why. I mean, I thought I was, you know, why add to this? Eighteen years later, my mom and my stepfather decided to have 
two little girls, and my first sister was born. Her name is Emily Hope. That's her middle name. And I was working for my dad at the time. He was a mechanic and worked on auto repair and diesel repair, and we would travel around out of these mobile trucks to fix stuff. And, and, um, and I was working for him, and I'd travel from Reno, and I would drive up to my, my house, my parents' house, and I would get to the house, and my job was to get there really early, get everything dialed in, get into the truck, and get to work. But my parents, my dad hired me so he could get some more sleep, but I would show up in the morning, I'd go to my parents' house. I'd walk up the stairs to where I knew my little sister was, 6 a.m. in the morning. Mom and dad is asleep. And there was this little habit that had grown where whenever I came, I'd go up those stairs, like I said, and I would find the little Emily Hope, and little Emily would see me, and she'd hold her hands up. And I'd grab her, and I'd walk down the stairs to the living room, and I'd hold her in my arms, and I'd fall asleep right there with her until my dad came down and got mad and told me to go to work. <laughs> that fulfillment of presence. But, but here, here's the deal. What we celebrate at Advent isn't that we have to climb the stairs to hold this beautiful little child, but rather the beautiful child climbed down the stairs to be present with his people. That, that he came as a child that all could approach him and all could be with him without intimidation and without fear. Imagine that. Imagine that. A God who doesn't come just wagging his finger that you're a sinner, telling you that you need salvation, though you do, but rather a child who comes and says, I want to make my home with you. I want presence with you. Do you remember all the times throughout all of the New Testament, you can see it where Jesus is walking around as an adult and he literally basically says, hey, you, I'm having dinner at your house. I'm coming to dine with you. He didn't wait for the invitation. He didn't wait for the door to open. He just let these guys know, I'm coming and you're going to cook me a fine meal. Other places he would tell guys like Matthew the tax collector, you, you're going to be with me. You follow me. And so this is who God is. He gives us the hope the hope of presence with God. But you know what else he gives us? This is the second one. He gives us peace. A lot of us don't know a lot about peace. In fact, peace oftentimes is between two parties, two parties who, who decide that peace will last for so long and then at a certain time that peace will expire. Maybe it's indefinitely, but most often it isn't, especially if there's something broken within the terms of peace, then there's no longer peace. But the Hebrew term for peace in the Bible is shalom. Everyone say shalom. shalom. All right? Now you're all Jewish. Congratulations. Right? Shalom, the Hebrew word shalom, is the word, that, is the word peace, but it's so much more than our word peace. The word peace in the, the word shalom, it, it talks about the definition within it is health, right? It's a big topic in our day, that your health will be well, that your family life will be well that you'll have wholeness and completeness in every facet of your life, that you'll have perfect, permanent presence and peace with God the Father. No longer at war with God, no longer at war with yourself, no longer at war with, with the rest of the world, but rather walking around with a presence of peace in your heart, not despondent, not fearful, not scared, not worried, not intimidated, but I have Christ and his presence and I am perfectly at peace. What would the last two years look like? What would they have looked like if every day you were completely aware of the perfect, 
sovereign protection of Jesus Christ in all you do. What would that look like? What will it look like for the rest of this year? What would it look like in your family's life if at the end of the day, inside, your peace was not attached to circumstances, but attached to the person? Right? So, I don't know about you. The last two weeks have been kind of difficult for me. I told my wife, I feel like I'm dying a death by a thousand paper cuts. It's like nothing, nothing's that big of a deal, right? We, we recently, like so many of you, we went almost six days without power. And uh, I was like, as I'm dealing with no power, it's, that's bad enough as it is. But then as I was trying to deal with it, I, everything would go wrong, right? Like, like filling up the generator, which I had to do about twice a day. I'm spilling gas all over myself. Right, and I come into the house, and my wife goes, you smell like gas. You want me to wash your clothes? And I'm like, please, would you wash my clothes? And she says, too bad, we don't have power. <laughs> it's just that kind of thing. And then this morning, this morning, I, I went to go start up my truck, and my four-wheel drive just doesn't want to work anymore. Yeah. Yeah, why not? It's, it's not the end of the world, right? It's just I won't get to drive the truck until I get it towed to a shop. So I... I climbed uphill both ways to be here for you this, this evening. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Brad gave me a ride. Just those kind of things, and that's circumstantial. I mean, I'm under there, and I'm, I'm looking at all the little connectors to see why the four-wheel drive is not engaging, using my, my knowledge of, of being a mechanic way back in the day, and uh, the bad news is, is I don't remember anything, so I'm without four-wheel drive. And my peace was taken from me just like that. Right? Just, oh, peace, gone because of the circumstance. Something bad happens and our peace disappears. Well, what if your walk with God? What if, what if your intimacy with Christ? What if the advent and the presence of God was so with you that there was nothing that could really shake you? In fact, that is the truth. It's silly at the kind of things we get frustrated with, isn't it? I mean, as I was getting ready after all of that and removing snow and doing all the things that many of you did today, I went upstairs to change into this suit, which I put on roughly twice a year. You're welcome. <laughs> and as I'm there, I realize something's wrong with my bed. Part of it's broken. And Allie's in the room with me, and I, just like a little child, just like an infant, I looked to the heavens and said, why, God? <laughs> my, my peace, taken away by circumstance. And then I get to be a part of what we're doing here, and I get to be remembered that I get to re- remind myself by being with you, by preaching God's word, that, that Jesus gives me peace. He gives me shalom, wholeness, and completeness. And it's not always going to be complete in this world. I understand that. There's always going to be some hardships every now and then, but eventually I'm going to pass from the veil of this life into the veil of the next life, and I'm going to see Jesus face to face, which leads me to point number three. That hope fulfilled is ultimately seeing the face of love. We have a path of peace. That path leads us to Jesus and the presence of Jesus. And it gives us that peace, but then it also gives us that hope, and then it also we receive that love. You've heard me say it before, but love is to be fully known and fully loved. Right? What is that like for someone to fully know you, all of your shame, all of your hurt? Right? Like everything about you, and God still loves you. That, that should shock you. It should dismay you. There's a song that sometimes Christians get really weird with, and, and I understand why, because words matter. And some of you remember singing the song, like, His Reckless Love for Us. 
right? And, and, and there's a few Christians, when they hear that song, they, they don't like that word reckless because they feel like it, it talks about God being kind of radical and loose and not really thinking about his decisions or his consequences, which we know that's not true. God's sovereign and he's intelligent and he knows all. But that word reckless in some ways is so apropos because to us, it should be like, why would God love us? I mean, humanity is broken and it's fractured, it, right? We can't figure out what to do. We, 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 find, we try to find our hope in policy. We try to find our hope in government. We try to find our hope in a vaccine or, or maybe wearing masks or hope in social distancing or, or hope in our finances or hope in, in our circumstances. We can try to place our hope in all kinds of places, but it's all shifting sand. And that's ultimately what the world has taught us. The only real solid hope that anyone has for their eternal soul is to, is to know the love of God and for the love of God to know you. And as you get to know God, that knowledge of God and getting to know God by seeing the love of God face to face is the key to joy, which will lead to my fourth point, which is our hope is fulfilled in joy. One author says, knowledge of God, knowing him, being in his presence, seeing him face to face, is the key to joy. No, the, he, he goes on, he says, those who know great truths about God, find it easy to rejoice. Those with n- little knowledge of him find it difficult to rejoice. You hear what the author's saying? He's saying, in part, Advent is a season for us to be reminded of this reality that we must know God. Right? I, I, I'm going to be pretty upfront with you. Right? I, it's my hope that those of you who have never encountered Christ as your Savior would at some point at the end of my voice, at the end of this gathering, find Jesus to be worthy to give your life completely to? that you would surrender to him completely, that you would make him Lord, you would make him king, that you would no longer be the author and the finisher of your life because that's probably not going so well for you, but that you would surrender to him completely. And upon surrendering to him, it is also my hope, again, I'm just not gonna lie, that you wouldn't make Christmas Eve or Easter the only time in which you go to church, but that you would make it a a habitual process, a habitual practice to, to come to church, to find the hope and to find the need. Why? So that you'll have the knowledge of God, because it's the knowledge of God, as this author just stated, that leads to the joy of God. And what would our world look like with that kind of joy, that kind of presence, that kind of happiness, that kind of smile? There's something about being in love with Christ and knowing the love of Christ that allows us to share that faith and to know the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Second Timothy. Paul writes to this young pastor, he says this to Timothy, because Timothy struggled with being intimidated. He, he struggled with, with older people being around him, around him, telling him how to do things. And this is what Paul tells him. God has not given us a spirit of fear. I mean, that's, that's a gift from God. You don't have a spirit of fear, but rather the spirit that's given to you by Christ's presence in your heart as you ask him to be your savior Well, that spirit is love, power, and a sound mind. A sound mind. I don't know about you, but I sure could use more of that in our world. Sure could use more of that in our culture. And what Advent tells us is that God can give you the sound mind that you and I have been longing for and desiring and yearning for, that the gift of Christ is power and love. Well, then lastly, he gives us great joy. Right? One of the hopes we have is to be filled with joy, but that joy 
would be fulfilled in our hearts, that we'd know the blessings of God, and then that we would respond by singing, which we'll do here in a few moments. In fact, Luke chapter 1, when Mary gives birth to this baby, she breaks out in song. Her response as a mother is to sing. I'm sure she held that little one in her hands, the one that she had held for nine months, the one of whom prophecies of which you cannot even count in the Old Testament are going to be fulfilled in this little child. And her response is to sing. And she, as I was looking over it this evening, I was noticing there's actually two things that Mary kind of highlights within her song. One, she's focused on how blessed she is. She's not talking about how ungrateful she is. She's not singing about how, what a bummer it is that she's in, in, a, in this little nativity scene inside of a, a place where animals belong. She's not bemoaning that fact, but rather she sings that she is blessed. That, that in fact, she literally says, everyone's going to call me blessed for the rest of all of time. And then she also speaks of how great and glorious God is. On Luke chapter 2, following that song, an angel says to Mary and Joseph, again, the words, fear not. And why don't we fear? Because I bring to you news of great joy that's for all people. It's for everybody. Every corner of the earth, every tribe, every tongue. And then the response of that great joy is there should be, right, in all of us, a melody inside our soul. A singing that exists. You know, I know it might sound a little cheesy to some of you, maybe even a little far-fetched. But if you listen closely, especially if you are in love with Christ this evening, you can hear him singing. You can hear your soul resonate. You know those little tuning forks? I think you use those to tune things. That's why it's called a tuning fork. It's no different. When the word of God is preached, when the presence of Jesus is preached, you can hear your soul singing and resonating with the truth. And then for some of us, we'll feel our flesh creeping in. No, that's not true. That's a bunch of garbage. I don't believe in that. But if you listen with obedience, you can hear Christ singing inside your soul. Lastly, let me read to you from Acts chapter 2, verse 26. In this passage, one sings, one speaks out, no wonder, no wonder my heart is glad. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope for you've shown me the way of life and you will fill me with the joy of, are you ready? The joy of your presence. The joy of you. No wonder my heart is glad because I have your presence in my life. You know what I love about this verse? Again, I have it in front of me. I know not all of you do. That's why I love reading scripture. That's why I advocate for the reading of scripture. There's so much life in it, so much beauty in it. And in this particular verse, if you read it closely and you look at it and you try to marinate in it and you, oh, my heart is glad, my tongue sings. And then he says, my body actually feels the effects of this. For my body, it says, rests in hope. How many of you can just feel after the last couple years, you just need a big nap? Huh? I just could use a nap. 
Man, I've had moments in the last two years, if I'm really honest, Lord, I'm about to fall asleep. If you take me home while I rest, I'd be okay with it. Or rather, as I've been praying so much more over the last couple of years, Jesus, would you come? There's another advent, another presence. It's on the horizon. The time seems to be drawing near. Lord, come and give my body rest. Right after shoveling, pushing snow, wrapping presents, cooking meals, the body begins to get weary. And the older you get, the more aware of it you are. And tonight Christ would say, look into the face of the manger and allow your soul and allow your body to rest in the Christ. That's my hope. My hope is that you find Christ. You experience his peace. You experience his love. That your heart sings with joy and that your life will reflect the goodness of who Christ is. Because at the end of the day, we've got to share this hope, don't we? Because the world is lost without hope. And our world doesn't have a lot of hope. It doesn't. You know the best way to lose your hope? Turn on the news. Right? You'd be amazed at just taking a break from news, what it would do for you. You would be shocked. You've got to turn off social media to do that, which is a little hard for us, because as soon as you turn it off, some of you start doing this. You know, start out. But if we turn all that noise off, the hustle and the bustle of the mall, the craziness of the season, enter back into 2,000 years ago what it would have been like inside that manger scene, Mary Joseph, the quiet hum of animals, and the crying of a baby, which pierces into our hearts that salvation is here, it's today, and it's now. Amen? Would you stand with me? And I'm going to ask, you can pull out your candles. If you've got kids, you know, watch them closely. Make sure they don't, uh, make sure they don't spill. And um, we get to sing. And as we sing, Let us find that hope. And as we prepare for the, uh, the light to come your way, I want to just again remind you. Go ahead. You can dim the lights for me, guys. I just want to remind you that this is a picture. This flame is a picture of the light of the world. It's just a little image for us to hold in our hands that this light exemplifies to us that Christ has come in to our dark world and is pierced into the darkness. Well, one of the things I've, I always have enjoyed about light and the analogy of light is how darkness has to run from light. Darkness never overcomes it. It always flees from it. And as Jesus has come into your heart, just as it did for those original 12 men in the New Testament, you're to share that light with the world and spread that light to your neighbor. And then slowly but surely, this little humble beginning, this little child born in an obscure town in Jerusalem, will one day change the entire landscape of all of human history. And so this light comes to me, to you, to your neighbor, and before you know it, the earth is filled with Christians 
and people who have this hope, an eternal hope. You know what's so cool about this? It just kind of almost gives me the chills to think about it. This practice that we're doing, it takes us back 2,000 years. It places us back in, back in little Bethlehem. And then at the same time, we're also sharing every year all of the churches for the last 2,000 years that have celebrated a night like this to gather together to say, thank you, God, for giving God. And then at the same time, there are countless churches just like ours gathering together right now, singing and worshiping the only one who's worthy of our true adoration. So we share in history, but we're also presently sharing with brothers and sisters, some of which, some of which are gathering under the threat of death for worshiping someone other than what their nation or their people believe in. How grateful should we be that we still live in a land where we can come together and we can say, thank you, Jesus that you died on the cross for my sins and you did everything that was necessary for my salvation. Thank you, Jesus, that this is not about religion and it's not about rules and it's not about finding the right way to heaven. But thank you, Jesus, it's about relationship. Thank you, Jesus, it's about your presence, that wherever I go, there you are with me, Emmanuel. Lord Jesus, thank you we are eternally grateful for you, your life, your death, your resurrection. Thank you for your presence. May we sing to you now out of gratitude, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing.